I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors of this great church, and we want to welcome all those joining us online as well. So glad you're here today on this rainy... Hey, but guess what? Wasn't that cool air nice this morning? Man, I tell you what, I was kind of ready for a break, so I'm glad for the cool air. Uh, So one of the, the things I get to do in the mornings is I get to wake my kids up. We've got three kids, and and so usually, that's me climbing the stairs, and I'll, I'll sing the song, In the Garden. Do you guys know that song? So you know that? It's an oldie. It's an oldie but a goodie. I come to the garden alone. You ever heard this? While the dew is still on the roses. This is, people are, have never heard that song, they're like, what is he singing about? It's actually a song about abiding, that's why I like it. And what's the chorus? And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own that's an awesome verse right there and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known it's a great song so I'll usually climb the stairs and I'll sing that and flip some lights on and open some blinds and good morning Haley give her a kiss on the cheek Daddy loves you, going to the boys' room, you know, them, I can like power bomb and, you know, (laughs) no, I'm gentle with them too. Morning, boys. It's going to be a great day today. So that's how I usually wake the kids up. But then, you know, there's some mornings, I'm just kind of in a different mood. And uh, so, you know, we employ other measures of waking our kids up. So I'll stand at the bottom of the stairs and, good morning, Vietnam! My poor kids. They'll probably write books about me one day. <laughs> Do that for two reasons. Number one, I'm a little bit crazy. You know, I like to ride motorcycles and other such things. The other reason, though, I do it, in all seriousness, is uh, before coming here, we lived overseas in Sudan and East Jerusalem. And in those environments, it was always easy for our kids to remember. We're engaged in a battle here on this earth between good and evil, between light and darkness. That's why so many Hollywood movies are made about this is because this is reality. And and what I know is, as my kids, if they're growing up in America now, which they are, and they're going to, then I always want them to remember they should never slip into a comfortable life of forgetting why it is that we're here. I want them to remember. And so I use an air horn to remind them. (laughs) We all need to remember that in this life that we live, we're engaged in something here on this earth. More than just punching a clock, more than just you know, going through the motions of life, more than just buying groceries and, and gas. There's this life that Jesus calls us to enter into, and it's one of meaning and purpose, and that's the incredible thing, that God leads us into abundant life this way. We talked about that last week, but then we have to choose to enter into it. We can't be lulled asleep by the culture in which we live, because it has a great way of doing that. I'm telling you, folks, we've got to be alert and engaged. Some of us need to wake up. That's the message today. We've got to wake up and go after the things of God. As we continue our series in Luke today, we're going to continue in Luke chapter 12, and what Jesus is telling the disciples is, he's communicating to them, we've got, you've got to stay ready, disciples. You've got to keep a fire burning within you. You've got to stay about the mission of which I'm showing you. And so that's what we're going to head into today. So I want us all to grab a hold of that message today. It's not just for the disciples, it's for all of us. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 is where we're going to start. So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. A reminder that these are God's words, and we don't take them lightly. So in verse 35, 
Jesus communicating to the disciples says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for us all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready for it or act according to his will, he will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Well, these would be fun verses to work through today. (laughs) These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Last week, if you were here, we, uh, before these verses, what Jesus is doing here, if you've been here for a couple of months, I shared a message some months back on schools in session. And so what Jesus is doing in in Luke chapter 9, he turns his face to Jerusalem, and he's about the mission. He's headed to the cross, and so what he's doing is he's giving instruction to the disciples. And really what he's telling them is how it is that you love God and love others. The great commandment is love God, love others. And so then he defines that in many different ways. Last week, he was defining how do we love God and others in the way that we steward what God has given us. We've all been given resources, time, talent, the gifts that God has given you, and financial resources. So what Jesus is doing is he's basically saying, look, if the way that you love God and others is that you aren't anxious, that you don't just invest in this life, but you follow the teachings of the Bible, that you tithe and you give generously, and as you do that, you live a less anxious life. In fact, you live an abundant life. So this was what Jesus was talking through last week. And it's really, at the end of the services, on both services last week, I, I prayed for people and said, look, if, if you're here and you're anxious and worried, Man, may we, may we pray over that. And there's a lot of people that responded to that. And not that all anxiousness comes by the way that we steward things, but there is a part that does. And, and so Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live an anxious life. I want you to live an abundant one. And the way that you live an abundant one is that you don't just invest in your house, your car, your kids, and retirement. Because deep down, what do we know? All of those things in a moment can be taken away. And so then we live anxiously trying to hold on to those things, as opposed to saying, God, you own it all. No matter what I have in this life, I have you. And so those things which you entrust to my care, I want to entrust to your kingdom. And, and as we do that, then we get to step into the abundant life. It, it actually reduces the amount of anxiousness and worry in our lives. That's part of what Jesus is talking about. So how do we love God and others? We steward our resources in a way that honors him. That's what he was talking about. But then as we, he transitions this morning to say, and how do we love God and others? Well, you do that by preparing for my return. That's what he's getting into. And so what we find in this passage is that we prepare for the return of Jesus, what he steps into in verse 1, 
that we, or verse 35 that we read this morning. We prepare for his return by becoming like him. We prepare for the return of Jesus by becoming like him. But I think it's important to understand, I was going through this message and, and realizing, look, if you're new to church or new to following Jesus, you might not even be aware Jesus is coming again. So, Jesus is coming again. If you were unaware, he's coming again. He's coming to take us home. That's what he's coming for. We would call that our blessed hope. So, as we look at the life of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, he came. He came in the form of an infant. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And then he lived this perfect life for 30 years, and it was anonymous years. But then he steps out into ministry, and he's sharing all of these things that we're going through. He lived this perfect life and went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins, for your sin, for my sin, so that we can be connected with God, so that we can have relationship with God. This is what we celebrate on Good Friday. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. This is what we celebrate on Easter. So this is the rhythms of our Christian calendar because these are the things that we hold dear. That Jesus came, he died on the cross, was resurrected from the dead. But then what happened? After he was resurrected for 40 days, he spent time with uh, the 11 disciples and with other followers. And he's telling them, number one, I have power over sin, darkness, and death, and the devil. So I was displayed in my resurrection. I'm giving you that authority. You're to go and share this message to the ends of the earth. So he's giving them instruction. This is what he's doing. But then he says, but I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come and empower you for that mission, empower you to become like me and to be able to share my good news. That's what he's doing. And and so then he ascends to heaven, but we know he's coming back. Last book of the Bible, book of Revelation. Uh, John, one of the followers of Jesus, he's writing. And what he shares in in Revelation. So John is seeing uh, the future, seeing when Jesus is coming back. He says, then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. Who do we think that is? Jesus. He's coming again. For he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. He wants to war against sin in our lives. Praise God for that. War against Jesus. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. So this is a vision of Jesus coming back. So it's important for us to understand, number one, he's coming back. And so now what Jesus is saying in our passage this morning is we should prepare for that. We need to prepare for the return of Jesus. And how do we do that? Well, what it says in in verse 35, he says, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. Stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning. So the, the stay dressed for action. Uh, there's actually, so the ancient phrase for that was gird up your loins. You ever heard that? That's actually the translation, gird up your loins. I actually thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun. We should put a sign in the back of the sanctuary, you know, when you're leaving, like gird up your loins this week, you know? <laughs> then I thought new people would come, like, does that sign have loins on it? We're not coming back here. <laughs> so we're not doing that. But that's what he's talking about. So we're, st- we're to stay ready for Jesus's return. We're to stay engaged. So what does that look like? Well, we're praying and asking God, mature the fruit of the Spirit in my life. It's actually very simple. How do I stay ready for Jesus' return? I'm asking the Lord to mature his Christ-like character in me. So Galatians chapter 4, fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those qualities, when you look at them, those are the characteristics of Christ. So as we pray and ask the Lord to mature those things in our life, then we're asking him, help me become more like you. That's how we stay ready. But then how do we keep our lamps burning? What, what does that mean? It means that we're meant to keep our fire burning. We should keep a passion for God in his ways. This is why our 
our mission statement, our vision statement is igniting passion for Jesus. We actually want to help you with that. We want you, as, as a church, we want to equip you to stay ready and to stay on fire for Jesus. That really is our heart for you. Uh, if, if you haven't seen this, this is really, for us, this is what we're going after. The mission of the church is helping everyone in this room, everyone that calls Connection Point Church home, to walk through this process. We want you to belong here, because all things start out of belonging. You've got to find a place of belonging here, but you don't just stay there. Once you find a place of belonging, then you need to believe in Jesus. Believe in him deeply, not just as a great teacher or philosopher, but as the son of God. We want to help lead you in that. But then we don't stop there. We want to equip you to become like Christ. And so we launched mentoring groups. If you haven't heard of those, you can go on our, our main page, and we've got a place for mentoring where you can sign up and fill out application. All the information's there. But we wanted to create an environment that's been time-tested on helping people become like Christ. So we launched mentoring. So in the spring, these groups formed. In the summer, these groups kicked off. And now all of those groups are happening. They're meeting. 21 different groups over the greater Lafayette area. 120 people walking through mentoring. That's awesome. Why? Because they want to become like Christ. So I want to share that with you because I want you to continue to understand why it is that we do what we do at Connection Point. We want to help you be ready for when Jesus returns. And that includes becoming like him. Become like Jesus. So the, the question for you this morning is, where are you at in this process? Have you found a place of belonging here? If not, sign up for the next step class. Sign up for a connect group. You've, you've got to get in smaller spaces to find a place of belonging. We do community questions here so you can start finding some community, but you have to choose community for yourself. Are you believing in Jesus? Do you believe in him as the son of God? You can make that decision today if you're here and you haven't. And then are you becoming like him? Are you entering into an intentional process that says, we want to help you become like Jesus? Because then the last part of this, which also feeds into this passage today, is we want you to become like Jesus because as you do, you can then help others become like him too. You bring Jesus to others. And that's the second part of what Jesus shares in the parable, that we prepare for the return of Jesus by helping others become like him. So how are we helping others become like Jesus? Because here's what the passage says this morning. The Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? So the manager is the one who has become like Jesus, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So giving them their portion of food, what's that mean? You're feeding them. So you have become like Christ. You're a manager. You're a disciple maker is what I would say. And now you're feeding others. You're helping them become like Christ too. This is what Jesus is talking about. How do we prepare for his return? We become like him, and we help others become like him too. This is actually what Jesus is walking the disciples through. It's more than just finding community and converting in Christ. It's about becoming like Jesus and helping others in the same. So are we doing that? Are we helping others in that process? Are you helping others become like Christ? This is the passage for us to, to be able to consider this morning. And Peter, I love Peter. <laughs> what does he say here? Anytime Peter speaks, I actually chuckle before I even get to whatever he says. Because you know he's saying something that's, you know, what's going on in Peter's brain right now? What's he say? Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everybody? <laughs> like, Lord, is this passage just for church leadership or for everybody? Like, that's what he's asking. Because he doesn't want to be the only one held responsible. Like, good job, Peter. <laughs> and the answer Jesus gives is, Faithful are those that we all bear the responsibility of when you know Christ, that you make him known. So that message is for all of us today. Nobody's exempt. So I love that Peter asked the question. So if that was in the back of your mind, it's for all of us. 
It's not just for those in church leadership. Everyone is responsible for making Jesus known, of becoming like him and helping others know him too. So we prepare for Jesus. How? By becoming like him, but also by helping others become like him. And the last thing we find in the, in the verses that we ended with is that we prepare for the return of Jesus in order to avoid judgment. We prepare for the return of Jesus in order to avoid judgment. I'll tell you, these verses caused me much wrestling this week. Much wrestling. So I'll tell you up front, I'll be gentle, but I'm going to be heavy. These verses, you, you can't avoid that when you read through these verses. Uh, I was telling the staff this week, I don't know how many times I've read Luke. You know, I've read the Bible, uh, read it through every year, and, but I read the New Testament more, and I've read Luke a bunch because I've been in it. But I swear, it's like I was reading these verses for the very first time this week because they're challenging for us to consider. There's this principle in organizational leadership of carrots and sticks. Maybe you're familiar with it. So you've got carrots, like you hold this out and say, go after this and this is what you get. Okay, so the carrot for following Jesus is, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, follow me, I have come, John 10, 10, to give life to the full, a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. So that's the carrot. That as we follow Jesus, we enter into the life that he has for us, we get to live an extraordinary life. And I can personally attest to this. But now, these verses this morning, and here's the stick. If you don't, you're going to be held accountable for the way that you lived your life. If you have knowledge of me and have done nothing with it, I'm going to hold you accountable to it. These verses are are for us to consider. If you were here in January, I shared a two-part series on extraordinary living, that extraordinary church, extraordinary life, and I talked about, I said, look, as we follow through Luke today, we're going to get into some tough stuff. And it's for us to consider this morning. What are we going to do with this information that we have? So I want to reread those verses and then talk through those a little bit. So this is in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to pick up in verse 45. So, but if the servant says to himself, basically, if the servant says, I'm not going to continue on what we call the sanctification process. I'm not working to become like Christ or lead others in the same. If he says, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink, and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and I will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know, and did what deserved a beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of much will be required. Whew. Those are some weighty, weighty verses this morning. My, my question for you today, and let me go back. Let me say this. Jesus, when he would enter into, and he entered into preaching ministry, when he started to proclaim the gospel, he opened with this phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. What re, I, you know, I had one thought of what repentance meant. You know, you think kind of like come to the altar, repent. But what repentance actually means is just change your mind that we've got mindsets that have been influenced by the culture in which we live. We've got to change those mindsets. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus has come. So now we've got to live differently. That's what he's saying. So what we need to do with these verses this morning is to consider the implications. And basically, so I'm going to jump back and forth between serious, but also make it lighthearted. I I joked with Andrew this week, who's our, our media director. I said, you know, we could make four banners this morning and ask people in which category you'd like to be in. You know, so there's the well done, good and faithful servant category. You've made disciples. Okay, so let's just raise our hands. I want to be in that category. Anybody else want to be in that category? Let, let's go there. And then we've got, you know, <clears throat> the category of, I didn't know about the Great Commission, 
but I'm going to get a light beating. Still get to go to heaven, but you know, anybody want to sign up for that one? Which, by the way, I hate to break it to you this morning, but unless you've been pay- playing Candy Crush on your phone and paid no attention uh, to anything we've set up to this point, nobody gets a light beating. Everybody knows we're called to the Great Commission. I actually had the picture of somebody like running out of the room with their ears closed, like, don't, don't tell me, just don't tell me, you know? <laughs> but that, that just can't apply, so I'm sorry. So category number three is you knew about the Great Commission, but didn't do anything with it. Okay, that's the severe beating category. So all of these categories, we get to enter into heaven, but we enter in different ways. And then the last category is the hypocrite, the person who had knowledge of who Jesus was, but lived as though he didn't exist. What did it say? Eat, drink, get drunk. You know, I mean, just partying, living a life that, I mean, your friends would basically ask you, you're a Christian? Like, if you've had that question, like, that's that category. It's like, those are the four categories we've got here. That's tough. That's tough for us to consider this morning. But I think that's also why, what does it say in scripture? It says that teachers are held to a higher regard. And I think this is part of why. Because if I'm not explaining these things to you, I'm held responsible for that. So I want to explain these things to you, not because I want to not be responsible, because I want you to get it. I want you to understand if in that process that we've got in the circle of uh, belonging and believing, if you've stopped there to say, I just, I made some friends at church and I prayed the prayer of faith and now that's it. I'm just sitting on the sidelines watching from the bleachers. What I'm here to tell you this morning is Jesus is saying that's not enough. And he actually says that because he wants you to step into a great life. So we can no longer play church. So if that's been the mode that you're in, you've got to step away from that today. You've got to change your mindsets. Playing church isn't enough. We've got to be the church. And being the church means I've got to enter into a process of becoming like Jesus and helping others become like him too. Don't play church. Don't sit in the bleachers. Get on the field and get in the game. And the awesome thing is, is as you do that, then you step into the extraordinary life you're offered in Jesus. That's the carrot. Jesus says, look, there is going to be, you're going to be held accountable. And you can ask the question, well, what about grace? What about grace, right? Well, I want to tell you right now, you are saved by grace through faith. If you ever think you hear me say differently, you've heard me wrong. You are saved by grace through faith. But what we also need to understand is with grace comes accountability. With grace comes accountability to say, I have been given much grace. Why am I not helping others find it too? That's what Jesus is saying this morning. So you have been shown grace and you've got the responsibility of sharing it with others. Share that grace with other people. I'll tell you, this is why we we totally redid what we're doing as a church, because I just felt like we're not fulfilling the mission of the church. If all I've done is train you to run the sound and haven't equipped you to be a disciple maker, I've messed up. So we're not committed to that. Now, is sound valuable? Absolutely. Wasn't worship amazing this morning? Praise God for our production team. It's important. But what we see in the scripture this morning is, but you also have to know how to make disciples. You have to know how to help others become like Jesus too. I want you to step into that life that Jesus promises for you. And if you have questions on how to do that, you know, the awesome thing about following Jesus is he works things out so much better than I can. So I work out a preaching calendar a year in advance. So last September, around this time, I look on the calendar, and here's what I do. I look at our connect group fairs. I'm going to preach on community those weeks. I look at Easter and Christmas. That's what I'm going to talk about. But then I just fill in Luke the rest of the year. And I know what kind of chunks I can preach in the time that I'm allotted, so I just kind of chunk that up that way. And I love that as I was getting into the message last week and this week, knowing where we're headed next week for Vision Sunday, I love how the Lord basically just teed up the passages and said, invite people to abundant living, tell them they're held accountable for the grace that they've been given, and next week, invite them to it. So I want, to, I want you to know that next week's Vision Sunday is actually all about this. 
It's about these last two weeks that you're invited to an extraordinary life. We want you to enter into that process, but the choice is yours. And that's what Jesus is saying. The choice is yours. What are you going to do? Are you going to be the wise manager? Are you going to fulfill what my word lays out? Or are you not? My prayer for you is enter into the life that God has for you. Enter into it. Step into the life he's meant for you to live. And watch as you start to live in a way that begins to meet and fulfill all those purposes and plans that you have wondered how they'd be fulfilled. Jesus does it. I don't know how he does it, but I'm telling you, he does it. And I want you to know it. So how do we, what are we, what is we, what are we responsible for? We've got to prepare for Jesus. We've got to prepare for the return of Jesus. Become like him. Help others become like him. And as we prepare for Jesus, we avoid that judgment. We, we don't have to pick seating sections. Well done, good and faithful servant. That is your destiny. Your destiny is to hear those faithful words, but you have to choose it. You have to choose it. And so my prayer for you is that you do choose it. So in the mornings when I wake up the kids, we've got a wall in our laundry room with a chart. And on that chart, it gives them a list of what they're supposed to do. You know, so brush your teeth, make your bed, get dressed, you know, just things that they should do that they're responsible for. One of the things on there is to abide. So what does abide mean? It means read your Bible in prayer. Very simply, that's what it is. So that's what they are supposed to do as a part of their mornings. And for me, that's how they're getting dressed and ready spiritually for the day, that they're reading their Bible and spending time in prayer. And so then it's never any surprise to me when they come back at the end of the day and they share with me opportunities they've had to talk about Jesus. It never surprises me because as we are ready to engage then Jesus provides us the opportunity and we get to see the excitement of somebody else saying, you have the hope that I've been looking for. And so I want my kids to know that. So this last summer, uh, Nate was our oldest. He's 11. Uh, we enrolled him in the Purdue basketball camp. He loves to play basketball, loves to play soccer, loves sports, loves to be active. And so he was at that Purdue basketball camp. And by Wednesday, when I went to go pick him up, he shared with me, he said, so I had a, a, a good conversation. Today. I said, oh, oh, great, buddy. What was, what was the conversation? He said, well, I was talking to another kid about the Bible, and he said that he had read it once before, but he really didn't understand anything. And so I was telling him about different versions of the Bible, that maybe it would be easier to read a different version. I said, Nate, that's, that's amazing, buddy. I love that you were talking about that. I said, well, I mean, would you like to, to bring him a Bible? He's like, sure. So then Friday, the last day of the camp, he brought a fire Bible with him from the church, and he gave the kid a fire Bible. And it was awesome for Shelly and I. As we sat that last Friday, they do an award ceremony. And Nate is sitting in the stands, gives this kid the Bible, and he's talking about how you can read a chapter a day, take notes, and pray about it. I can tell you right now, I couldn't have cared if that kid could dribble a basketball down the court, but man, did that matter to me. And I share this for this reason, because I think we've made it too hard sometimes. That, okay, I've got to go to Bible school. You know, I've got to go overseas and be a missionary. No, you don't. Nate, because he loves sports, is going to play sports, and he's going to talk about Jesus there too. That's what it should look like. How do we become like Jesus and help others become like him too? We simply go about our day in our neighborhood, in our workplace, and then you pray. So if you've prayed in the morning, God, give me some opportunities, guess what's going to happen? You'll have an opportunity to share Jesus with others. And as you do that, you're going to, be, you're going to stay ready. Because I'll tell you right now, as you begin to share Jesus, if you become responsible for others, you're going to spend more time in God's word. The Holy Spirit is going to show up and tell you things. You're going to speak things and be like, wow, that was good. And I didn't know any of it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I promise you, those are the experiences you start to have. God shows up in extraordinary ways. May we be ready for the return of Jesus by becoming like him and helping others become like him too. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning.
And if you're here today, and we, we ask that question, where are you at in that process of belonging, believing, becoming, and bringing? Maybe you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus. But may you not, as, as we read about the return of Jesus, we will stand before the Lord and be held accountable for the lives that we lived. And if you're not in Christ, he talks about what happens with the unfaithful. But that's not the life that God means for you to live. He's inviting you into a life in his name. So if you're here today and you'd say, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but I want to follow him and step into the life that he has for me with every head bowed in this room today. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I need to believe in Jesus today. Not just as a teacher, not just as a, a great philosopher, but as a son of God. Anybody here today say, that's me. I need to follow Jesus today. I need to surrender my life to him. God, I just pray that you would lead us today. Help us, Lord, to enter into the process that you've laid out for us in Scripture to become like you so that we can equip others, so that we can feed others. God, help us to live that out. May everyone in this room, at the end of their life, hear those faithful words, well done, good and faithful servant. May they do that by entering into this process of becoming like you so that they're equipped to feed others and bring you to others too. We just ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.